We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Bullbrocked. Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Welcome in, everybody. Sports Daily on a Thursday. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers producing today. And we are ready to roll on a Thursday with betting insight from Chelsea Messenger coming up a little later in this hour. Uh, we got K-State Talk coming up with our K-State Insider, Tim Fitzgerald. That's in hour number two. Continue to look ahead at the Chiefs weekend. Uh, lots going on. The Shockers play last night. Tommy, how are you today? I'm good, ready to get into it today. Uh, we're inching closer and closer to the AFC Championship game on Sunday. Uh, so looking forward to talking about that a little bit later on in the show. Of course, K-State hoops, betting, and then, uh, yeah, Shockers played last night, overtime game at home, and I know we're going to get into all of it. Yeah, let's, um, you know, let's start with the Shockers here. Um, interesting game, I thought, last night. They look great in the first half. And not in the second half. This is like deja vu all over again with Tulane at Coke Arena last year. They went a tremendous amount of time without scoring at one point in that second half. And it's a really interesting dynamic to look at. The first half, they looked so good offensively because they hit a bunch of threes, right? 7 of 15. And then in the second half, Eventually, they started to hit some, but during that stretch of ice-cold offense, they were something like 1 of 12, I think, uh, from 3 or 0 of 12, whatever it was during that stretch, and that killed them and allowed Tulane to come back into it. They blew the big lead, only to get an 8-point lead back, blew that lead down the stretch, and yes, Shocker fans, I do hate to talk about officiating, but there were some really bad foul calls late. That doesn't mean they should have blown the lead. Um, it, you know, that that was really disappointing, and then they were just out of gas, I think, in overtime. It, you know, Poto was so big in the first half, and then I don't know if Tulane made an adjustment or the Shocker offense forgot about him. I don't know what it was, but he sort of went away in that second half. It, it was just a really 
and it, it it's almost a microcosm, Tommy, the last two and a half years. They, they at times look really, really good. And at times make you want to slam your head against the wall because you can't get anything going offensively. And that's what happened last night. And and Tulane's a pretty good team this year. Let's not, you know, they, they, I, I don't want to take anything away from Tulane. They've got some really good players, and they were very, very uh, efficient, and their execution was high down the stretch in that game last night. And the Shockers didn't, just didn't have enough in a game that I thought they – they probably should have won that game. Not not probably should have won. They definitely should have won that game. But even going in, you felt like, and we talked about it yesterday, this was a game the Shockers need to win to sort of establish themselves in the league. Man, they had every opportunity to do it and couldn't get it done. Yeah, they should have won that game, uh, you know, especially when they got off to the great start. I think they started out with like a 23-9 to lead. Um, you know, I think it was 12-4 really early on. Um, so with that great lead and the way that they shot the ball, especially in the first half, going into the locker room with a 13-point lead, um, you I think you hit the nail on the head when you said a microcosm of the season so far. And really, it kind of followed the the same sort of blueprint as we saw over the weekend against SMU. They got out to a big lead, big lead early. They blew the lead. Now, the big difference in the SMU game was they actually went into the locker room at halftime down, where in this game they were leading by 13. But regardless, it's kind of a roller coaster team. And we've seen it the last several games where, you know, they have long stretches where they look really good and then stretches where they look really bad. And, you know, they blow the lead and the team comes back that they're playing. And uh, ultimately, you know, they weren't able to get it done at home in overtime against a Tulane team that is six and three in conference now. Uh, they're 13 and seven overall. But, you know, looking at individual performers for the Shockers, all five starters were in double figures. Uh, a lot of the concerns that I know that, that we've talked about and others have mentioned for a long time about, you know, where are you going to find scoring output outside of Craig Porter Jr.? Well, at least in this game, it was all five starters uh, that were able to get into double figures. And like you mentioned, Kenny Poto uh, shot the ball really well. Seven of 11, pretty efficient from the field. And Jaquan Walton, nine of 15 from the field. And so both of those guys were able to produce offensively. Uh, it was nice to see, at least in the first half, shots fall. And they were a lot of shots that we have not seen fall earlier this season. And so I was hopeful and optimistic. And I, I thought at halftime, I was like, man, like, this is great. We're finally seeing these shots that we have struggled to see fall for a long time actually going in the hoop, and, and that's great. Uh, and then they came out from the locker room ice cold, let Tulane right back into it, uh, and it was a, a roller coaster seesaw back and forth affair. And I'm, I'm with you. I think they just they ran out of, of energy in, in overtime, and Tulane was a little bit fresher, uh, and they were able to do just enough to get out of there with a victory. Yeah, it's... um. It's frustrating because it was great to see him shoot in the first half and shoot it well. And it, you always wonder if this team could be a better three-point shooting team, what would it be capable of? Well, I think that's what you saw in the first half. That's what it's capable of. Yeah. When it's not there, though, they continue just to not be quick enough, I think, to pivot. And and it's got to be even harder in a game where you were feeling it early, right? But too many times during that cold stretch in the second half, it was just you know, three-point shot, three-point shot, three-point shot. Again, I have to, like, go back and, and really dig in to know, like, what happened to Kenny Poto there? Like, right, where did he go? The offense needed to keep running through him. If Tulane was taking that away, okay. 
good for Tulane. But you got to still find a way when when you go through the cold stretches to generate the offense in other ways. And finally, they drove one in, and I don't remember. I think it was Pierre. I don't remember who it was. Got to the line, and it was like anything you can do to snap that. It was too long. It was like nine minutes, game minutes, without scoring anything. And you like that can't happen. And that's been the problem for a while. And they had not, you know, what did they have before overtime? Uh, 74 points. You feel pretty good about this team on nights that they score 74 points. But sure. it was, you know, it, in Tulane in the second half. And again, it, it was really strange because you gave up the big lead, right? And that was frustrating. But then you got it back and you got back up eight. And then Tulane just possession after possession took it in. I didn't like two of the foul calls, uh, but they were called. And so that doesn't mean like you can't just not score on the other end either. And they started to turn it over and it like spiraled out of control on them. So it was it was tough. It was frustrating because the reality is, Tommy, had they won that game, had they rode the momentum of the first half and then go to East Carolina and get a win, I think that they need to get. You come into that Houston game and now you got all kinds of momentum going into that. And I, I, I think for the first time you would have had some real buzz about like, oh, maybe this team is pretty good. But now, just with that small tweak, I don't know if that's going to happen. And I, and I think that apathy that's been, you know, that you could sort of feel this year will probably still be there. And and I do think that win last night could have began, you know, to shake that a little bit because they have been winning games that they need to win and they were right smack in the middle of the conference. And now this, this is a a bigger hole to dig yourself out of. They needed that win and they couldn't get it and they had every opportunity to get it and and it's a it's a tough one to swallow this morning. I think Tommy the most difficult wit- loss um to deal with so far this year. Well, there was a lot at stake and regardless if people uh believe that or not there was. Uh, you know, it's a conference opponent that had a winning record uh coming into town, you had a big lead um, that that's a crucial loss for the Shockers. With the win, they would have moved to two games over 500 overall. They would have moved to exactly 500 in conference play. With the matchup with East Carolina, not a great basketball team coming up this weekend on the road. Uh, with the chance to move to three games over 500 overall and one game over 500 in conference before that matchup with Houston, uh, which you know even with all of that, had all of that played out. Uh, the Shockers still would have been underdogs with that in that matchup for sure, because Houston is one of the best teams in the country. But regardless, yeah. there would have been some excitement. And I think maybe some thoughts brewing that, hey, maybe they can make it interesting. I think one thing that that was disappointing about this game last night is if you take the Shockers matchups in the year or in the month of January and you take away the Memphis game, which was a 10 point loss, the Shockers had won all their other games in in uh had won their games recently three of they had won three of four. And I think that when you take a look at each of those matchups, they were able to win single digit games, the game against South Florida. They won by four, uh, the game against Tulsa won by four, uh, SMU, they won by two. So in one possession or tight games, uh, whether it's been at home or on the road in conference play, the Shockers have been able to come out on top and win gritty, really close matchups. And this was the exception to that. Um, so it's, I think it's disappointing because I thought even when 
it got down to the stretch and Tulane had gotten the lead back and they were kind of going back and forth. I thought, okay, well, Wichita State has shown this month alone in conference play that they can grind out single possession conference games. And so I was feeling relatively optimistic with the way they had been shooting the basketball. And by the way, the way that they have been dominating the boards. I mean, they absolutely crushed Tulane rebounding last night. Uh, they were what plus 13 in, in rebounds uh, in that game. They turned the ball over way too much, but I, I was optimistic that, okay, they're going to be able to pull this out because we have, we have seen throughout this entire month that they can win close games in conference play and they just weren't able to make it happen. Yeah, the free throw line killed them late too. Uh, Tulane continued to get to the line. They weren't going to miss free throws. And the Shockers only got to the line twice. Those two times I mentioned to get out of that scoring drought. That's a problem too. And and it just sort of underscores like the shots weren't falling. You've got to get to the line. You got to do anything you can do to just to just like stop the the momentum or whatever is going against you there where it was piling up clearly and they just couldn't get that done. Uh, so it's a loss last night to Tulane. Up next for Wichita State, they'll go to East Carolina on Sunday, an 11 a.m. tip. Uh, then they come back home next week. They get a long time to prepare for Houston, but Houston took its shot in the mouth from Temple. So the likelihood of Houston having any sort of letdown, I would say the rest of the season is relatively low, and it's probably going to take a perfect Wichita State effort to beat them. They're going to have to be a you could really, have really good defensive version and hit shots. You could have really went in to, to uh, you know, face Houston, and they could have been reeling a bit. Now, I do agree with you that you know Kelvin Sampson is a good enough coach, and he's got a good enough team that I think they bounce back. But, man, it, the I think that's what makes it so disappointing, and, and you mentioned it. Like, the stars were kind of starting to align a little bit where you could have had some pretty decent excitement with a, a Wichita State team riding momentum and a Houston team potentially reeling a bit, and that's ultimately not going to happen. Yeah, and and that doesn't mean they can't beat Houston. They can. Uh, you know, if they play the way they played in the first half against Tulane and defend the way they're capable of defending, sure, they can beat Houston at home. I mean, it can happen, um, and, and and we'll see. I mean, we're just we're back to now, I think, after last night. All right, let's just go game by game here and see how many of them they can win. Whereas a win last night, and you're like, hey, maybe they're going to yeah. be able to climb up into that, you know, fourth place area of the league. So, and, and obviously that can still happen too. And we'll have to just, it's a long season and lots of things happen. And, you know, it, it just, I, I feel like the tangible buzz that was beginning to sort of elevate maybe just a little bit now has to take a step back and they'll have to work hard uh, to get that back going again. So, it's it's now we're sitting here at 500, right? The Shockers were picked, they were picked, what, seventh in the league. Um, and as we take a 20-game look at things, they were picked seventh in the league, and right now they sit seventh in the league. So are they at expectations, do you think, Tommy, at, at seventh right now? Or does this feel like they're underachieving to you? I mean, I think that the the projections show that they're setting right at expectations. But as far as my opinion, yeah, I think they're underachieving. Yeah, uh, because I do I, I do think that I do think that they've got um, the the pieces when and we saw it in the first half last night when when it all comes together, they're fun to watch. But that's yeah. been 
few and far between. The, those moments are not consistent. They have not been there. Um, and, and not only in um, multiple games, like we're not even we're not seeing consistency there, but we're really not even seeing consistency from half to half or from game stretch to game stretch. Like we're seeing them uh, when the shots fall and everybody's clicking for a little while. You're like, okay, like there's there there might be something here. And then it very quickly goes away. And and I, I can't pinpoint it. I can't put my finger on it. Uh I think that there are a variety of reasons why this is happening. But um I, I do think that with the the stretches where it's been exciting to watch, of course they're underachieving. Yeah, it, I agree. Um and you know, it's but I think we thought that before the year two. I think we both thought, yeah, this is they they should be better than seventh in the league. Um, I I honestly I think I still think that they will be uh, better than seventh. But who's it going to be in ahead of? And and I'm probably yeah. being unreasonable there. A win against Tulane would have put them a half game behind Tulane, but they're not better than Houston. They're not better than Memphis. They didn't show us that they were better than Cincinnati. Tulane's pretty good. So then Temple, who continues to win, who I know nothing about other than they beat Houston or 7-2 and two in the league right now. I haven't seen them play. And then UCF. So are they better than 7th? Are they going to finish better than 7th? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they yeah, get ahead of UCF. I'm not sure. That's the big question is, you know, you look at exactly where the projections are and where they stand at the halfway point of conference play. And then you start to ask, what what are the reasonable expectations for this team? Setting at 500 overall, but two games under 500 in conference play. What are the reasonable expectations? Uh, and, and I don't know. I, I don't. I don't exactly know the answer to that. I mean, it's going to take a, it's going to take a pretty substantial run in the second half of conference play, and then into the conference tournament uh, for them. I think for us to be like, yeah, this is this is a a, a successful season overall. And I just don't really see any signs that point to that happening right now. I see them playing well for, for short spurts and short stretches, and then it goes away. And there's really nothing right now that inspires the confidence to say, yeah, I think that they'll be able to now overachieve in the second half of conference play. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. A lot of season to go. A lot of things can happen. If you want the optimist take, look at the first half at what the team's capable of. If they can capture that in a bottle and move it forward, then they probably are much better than a seventh place in the league team. We'll see. They play East Carolina again this weekend. Sort of a primer to get you ready for NFL football as far as the timing of that game. All right, let's uh, let's switch to some football. We'll talk the betting angles of the championship weekend in the NFL. Chelsea Messenger joins us next on Sports Daily. is Sports Daily on KFH. On the line is the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the Daily Tip podcast for more of Chelsea Messenger analysis. Just search BetMGM wherever you find your podcasts. All right, and we welcome back in Chelsea Messenger each and every week this football season to talk about the weekend of betting. And uh, this is another big one, another curious one. Chelsea, happy uh, championship week in the NFL. Yeah, it's a tough weekend for sports betting. Don't both of these games feel like almost a coin flip? 
that's how I feel going uh, into these games. So uh, the the road ahead is tough for sports betters. Absolutely agree. And let's go out of order and start with the Chiefs first. <clears throat> this line has been nuts, right? It has gone up and down, and now the Chiefs at BetMGM this morning are back to being favored by one. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just recency bias. Do you ever remember a line moving this much just like immediately? And of course, it's Mahomes' ankle. But it's just wild how much this has moved in five or six days. It is wild, but think about how big of a difference Patrick Mahomes can make with his feet if he's 100% healthy or, you know, if he's not healthy and the Bengals can really key in on bringing some pressure because I think that's the, the X factor because normally – you don't blitz Patrick Mahomes. You don't put pressure on him because obviously he can make plays with his feet. But if he's, um, you know, nursing an injury, and that's the thing, even if he is 100% this week and he looks great as we have been on ankle watch and we've seen him at practice and he looks all right, there's a good chance he's going to get tackled again. And there's a good chance that maybe he re-aggravates that injury. So I think you definitely take that into account. But even when Patrick Mahomes has been 100%, this has been a very uh, close series between these two teams, the Bengals and the Chiefs. I don't relish the fact that I'm coming on the radio in Kansas and uh, saying that I'm leaning towards the Bengals, but I think I am. I think I am going (laughs) to. But that's the thing. Like, I do think it's going to be a really close game. But if I did have to pick a side, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I feel like they've been the better defense all year long, uh, limiting the Bills to just 10 points. And they've been good at uh, limiting opponents' time of possession. That was the thing. They kept Josh Allen off the field uh, just by virtue of the fact that their offense just, you know, kept running the ball down the Bills' throat. I don't think it's going to be that one-sided in the Chiefs game. I think the Chiefs can definitely keep it close. Um, but I think I am leaning towards the over. I think both teams are probably going to be able to score points in this one, even if it is Chad Henney for like a, a stretch or two. We saw it. He had the longest drive in what Chiefs history, 98 yards down the field. So if anybody can game plan around Patrick Mahomes having a bum ankle, it's probably Andy Reid. Uh, he deserves his flowers as a head coach and as a game planner. So I think this game's going to be close, but I'm leaning towards the Bengals. You know, as much as we don't like that, it, it, it really it isn't that big of a stretch. I mean, of course, the Bengals have had the Chiefs number uh, all three times they played in the last calendar year. So it, that does that does make sense. I want to throw a player prop at you and see what you think about this for uh, the game on Sunday, Chiefs and Bengals. So if Patrick Mahomes is even somewhat limited with his mobility and then you would think that the Bengals are going to try to do everything they can to take Travis Kelsey away. How about Isaiah Pacheco with his over and rushing yards? Uh, he had nearly 100 yards rushing last week against the Jags, averaged over seven yards a carry. Uh, and I would think that if they want to try to control the, the pace of play, they're going to have to have an effective running game. What do you think about that? Yeah, I like it, even though the Bengals are pretty strong against the run as well. Uh, like I said, it's a good defense. But I think you get some value in the prospect market on Pacheco just because he is somebody who's kind of – come on stronger down the stretch because it used to be a, a splitting rep situation where uh, we weren't really sure who, you know, the running back number one was, but Isaiah Pacheco, like I'm sure you guys know this. You've seen the highlights, how fast his legs move and uh, how explosive he can be. So I do like it. And uh, on the Travis Kelsey front, I think both of these can still hit. 
I know they're going to focus on Travis Kelsey, and they were pretty effective last time around, uh, limiting him to under 60 yards receiving, but you can't ignore the numbers that Travis Kelsey's had in the postseason. Uh, Was it seven or eight straight games with 90-plus receiving yards? And last game, 14 catches. Uh, So I think the way you play Travis Kelsey this week is on his catches, not on his yards. Because I do think he's going to get the target. It was insane how much he was targeted uh, last week. I think it's going to be more of the same. So maybe he doesn't get his yardage, but I do like him going over six and a half receptions this week. I'll tell you one that I like, and this is because of, you know, since Cincinnati's game planned Kansas City better than any team in football over the last, whatever, year and a half. And you've got to think. If Mahomes' legs are taken away by his injury, which are a big part of what they do, the Bengals are going to do everything they can on Kelsey. And I I agree. I don't know if they can keep him from catching the ball, but not letting him do what he did to Jacksonville, maybe. I think this may be the Kadarius-Tony game. I think that, what is his prop? I think his prop was at like 35 yards or something like that. I'm feeling Tony in this game and because I just don't have any faith in the other receivers, and he seems to be getting more and more involved each week. Do you have any feel for Kadarius-Tony? Uh, I haven't looked at the number, but I would imagine it's not super high because I think you're right. It's been just Travis Kelsey and, like, who else is going to be the guy uh, for Patrick Mahomes? I think it's probably going to be Patrick Mahomes or uh, Travis Kelsey getting a bulk of the targets. But if it's a low number, Kadarius County can certainly get it. It's 35 and a half. Yeah, and he yeah, can, I just, I've got he it can here. probably get that in one or two plays. We've seen his explosive yeah. play potential. Uh, so I think if you like him, I'm definitely not going to talk you off of him. So when you look at uh, Cincinnati and and who they've got offensively, of course we know about the big three and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. What's the best way in your mind to bet those three players? Uh, because we know Joe Mixon likes to, or Joe Joe Burrow likes to spread the ball around. Uh, of course, you know Chase is the better out of the three for sure. But when you don't know from game to game exactly who he's going to go to out of those three, what's the best way to bet that? Yeah, I think that's a tough market to bet. Uh, I don't love betting on receiver props when they have so many good options. Because you're right, even T. Higgins could probably be a number one receiver somewhere. He's that good. Uh, so Jamar Chase is clear and away, far away, their number one receiver. He's the best. I'm sure he's going to get his targets. Because I think in this part of the postseason, wouldn't you lean on the guys that are the best players on the field? That's what you know traditional knowledge would say. But also – you're playing lower numbers for some of these guys. So I would imagine T Higgins prop is not uh, on the same level as Jamar Chase. So uh, maybe that's one that's more easily attainable, but honestly, I'm staying away from receiver props for the Bengals for that reason. Yeah. It, it, they're always pretty hard um, in that game. They're all so dadgum good for Cincinnati. Uh, it's going to be really cold by the way, in Kansas city. Let's talk about the other one, though. San Francisco, Philadelphia. As hard as Kansas City, Cincinnati is, I think this one's just as tough. You know, Philly is, they answered all the questions anybody may have had last week. San Francisco is what they are. They're really, really good. I, I Do you have a lean either way? I, I think that I'm leaning San Francisco, but, man, our eyes tell us Philadelphia is just, they're just good. Yeah, Philadelphia. Uh... Yeah, Phillies looked like the most dominant team all season long with the exception of that one stretch where they didn't have Jalen Hurts completely healthy. So I think my gut feeling is saying the Eagles, but 
I always try to go into the numbers as an analyst and give you guys some kind of trend or number to back up what I'm saying. But, like, this game just seems like a pick all over the place. You have the number one pass defense from the Eagles. You have the number one rush defense for the Niners. And you look at all the weapons on each side of the ball. Uh, Niners have just as many Swiss Army knives as you could possibly have with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. The one factor that I saw that maybe gives an edge to the Eagles is the Niners have had issues at guarding explosive plays. They have given up a pass play of more than 40 yards in five straight games. Uh, we saw it against the Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb hit this number. Uh, and also, I think A.J. Green of the, the Cardinals had a 77-yard catch. And also looking at Jalen Hurts, he's had a completion of uh, 38 and a half yards or more in five of his last six games. So maybe the explosive play potential for the Eagles will be the difference maker. I also do think that the Eagles have the best defensive line because think about the best defenses that Brock Purdy has faced. I think he's a great quarterback, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure coming from that Eagles defensive line. It could be the difference in a very close game. So leaning towards the Eagles there. I think this game is, is fascinating for a variety of reasons. And, and when, when we watched the, 49ers and the Cowboys a week ago 49ers offensively did not look incredible uh and I think some of that is credit due to the Cowboys defense right but uh didn't look world beating by any stretch of the imagination I wonder is the under probably in play for this game just because we know what the 49ers can do defensively and the fact that they didn't look spectacular on offense a week ago Oh, yeah. I think the under is the play if you're playing a total just because these are two of the best defenses in the NFL. We saw it last week with the Cowboys game uh, where, you know, some of it was the Cowboys beating themselves. But still, I think people love to talk about the offense and the weapons and the quarterbacks and such. But still, this is the best defensive matchup of the weekend. And also, if you're looking for a safer way to play this, I know this is kind of in the weeds, but a same game parlay teased up. Uh, you tease up the total and then play the under, and then you tease the side, getting the Niners all the way at, what would they be, seven and a half? I'm not sure what that line is. But bottom line, I think both these games are going to be close. I think I'd lean towards the under in the Eagles and uh, Niners and then leaning towards the over in the Bengals and the Chiefs. Just my read, but honestly, I think it could go either way. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. Uh, they're both fun from a football perspective and frustrating from a betting perspective. Is is there any prop or props, any others that we need to be looking at that we haven't talked about here, really in that game or, or any game that you're looking at that people may not be aware of? Yeah, uh, it gets harder since there's only two games. I'm going to be looking at A.J. Brown over 68.5 receiving yards. There's a reason the Eagles went out and got A.J. Brown because he is a big physical receiver, and now he wants to be the, the piece that gets him to the Super Bowl. He had a bone to pick with the Titans because they didn't pay him. He had a bone to pick with the Eagles last week because he didn't get the ball, and people are labeling him as a diva. But listen, it's good, a good thing when your receiver wants the ball, so I think he gets more targets his way. And plus, that game against the Giants was a blowout, so it didn't really matter you know, if he had a big game. Uh, the Niners are really good over the middle, so maybe they take away Dallas Goddard in that situation. I think it's going to be a big A.J. Brown game for the Eagles. He's a guy that wants to be there. He wants to be a part of a winning postseason, and he's their shiny new toy. So let's go A.J. Brown over 68.5 uh, receiving yards. 
All right, there it is. Chelsea, we appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Uh, after this, we get all the fun of the Super Bowl props. And, yeah. well, we'll we'll see if the Chiefs get to take part in that. I, I'm worried with you. I, I think I'm on the Chiefs' side, but I don't think you're that far off at all on the Bengals. This should be a great game. All right, we'll talk next week. Thank you. That was the host of The Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Tommy and I will be back with more Sports Daily right after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily rolling through on a, uh, what day is it? Thursday. Uh, we'll get you a giveaway to some hockey and tea coming up in just a few minutes, so stay tuned to that, Tommy. Um, man, this Chiefs news yesterday, is it's fascinating to watch. We've got close-up shots on Patrick Mahomes walking to and from the podium, and he's, you know, getting warmed up. I, I don't know if I had to pick how much I think his ankle's going to be an impact in this game. I think they'd probably like to limit him running a little bit, but I don't know that that's realistic once you get out there on the field and he's reacting and doing some of these things. I uh, I, I think he's going to be pretty close to full strength, and, and I just don't know how much of a factor I think it's going to be. I, I think he's going to be okay. I, I, I think you can expect most of Mahomes here. I think that part of it that we're going to see on Sunday that hasn't really been discussed a whole lot is how effective the offensive line is going to be against Cincinnati. Um, Orlando Brown has not been good at all uh, and and has not protected Mahomes very well whatsoever. And so if they can provide him better protection, then I think that we're going to see probably the Patrick Mahomes for the most part that we're used to seeing. But if he's got to get out and scramble and avoid the sack and and all of all of those things that he's been so good at, the escapability, extending plays, all of that, if he's got to do that a lot, then yeah, maybe you see that ankle start to be a little bit of an issue. But um, y- you you would like to think that throughout this entire week, as they've been game planning, prepping, practicing, that uh, they're going to do everything that they can to make sure the offensive line puts them in the best position possible. You know, it's I think a couple of things about the game in general. One, if you're inclined or hear people picking Cincinnati, like don't take that as a personal offense. It, it is. It is 
not a bad pick, right? Cincinnati's really good, and they're playing well, and all all of that. But their line is still banged up. And if there was ever a time for the Chiefs' defense to play their absolute best game of the year, it's right now. And and that's that's the part of it that makes it a pretty tricky game for me to get a grasp of. I'm I'm not going and I already took it cuz I could kind of see this coming with the Mahomes news yesterday that they were going to get back to being the favorite. So I think I got them for a point. Probably should have taken it a little earlier and gotten the two and a half or a better money line whatever. But I'm just not going to put my money on Mahomes and Andy Reid losing again in this spot to this team, right? And and Kelsey and I I just can't do it. Is that logical? Not at all. But so much of what makes the Chiefs great is a little bit illogical, right? The the chatter and Eli Apple running his mouth and the burrow head and all that stuff. Like people can pretend like it doesn't matter and it won't impact the game, but motivation is a great thing in life. And the Chiefs are as motivated as they possibly could be here. Is that enough? That that's the hard part to predict, but I think that their defense is going to have to be big. I don't know that I love the Chiefs in like a, you know, a 30 to 27 kind of game here. Just because Cincinnati has been so good at game planning Mahomes. So if they can slow the pace a little bit, which which again seems seems wild. But the Chiefs very much have an offense that can play ball control. They totally do. If they can slow the pace a little bit, run the ball a little bit, and make big third down plays on defense, yeah. And and it's sort of the same thing for Cincinnati. And it's a little weird, too, because if I'm Cincinnati, I kind of want to get this into a track meet. And, and nobody ever says that, right, when they're playing the Chiefs. Like, your goal is never to track meet with the Chiefs. But I think with everything we're looking at here, track meeting might not be a bad thing for the Bengals, and slow down ball control might be the best thing for the Chiefs. Seems a little counterintuitive, but it's kind of the uh, way. No, I completely disagree with that because you're you're taking away the bread and butter from Kansas City. I mean, like that's what they do. I mean, they can play ball control, but you know they they want to get out there and, and they want to put up a ton of points. And, and I think that the the best way to beat Cincinnati is to get them in a situation where you are trying to match them. Uh, and and ultimately score more than, and, and have a high scoring game and score more than them in that in that shootout kind of scenario. I think the over is absolutely in play in this. I mean, it's forty seven and a half right now, so it would need you need to finish it a twenty four twenty four game. Uh, Don't misunderstand. Like I would. I'm not over, saying right? I'd bet the under. I'm not saying I'd bet the under. And I do think the Chiefs want to score, but I think they want to do it in a way where they can keep Burrow off the field. That's been their offense all year, right? Like they don't. They're not really a shot play offense anymore. They're an so offense the, that matriculates the, the ball down the field. Is the motivation in your mind to, to suggest that less about uh, protecting Mahomes and thinking maybe he's not going to be able to produce at that high level and more about just keeping Joe Burrow off the field? The latter, yes. Keeping Joe okay. Burrow off as much as you can. I don't want Jamar Chase to have the ability to torch the secondary on a big chunk play, right? I want that. I want to limit the amount of times that could happen. And... Keep in mind that, that's that just the last such a big that, part of that offense. Not even it's not even right. you know, the Chiefs can score 27, 30 points, but they can do that with seven and eight minute drives, right? And that's of yeah. course the best path to victory for them is to do both. Keep in mind the last time that Patrick Mahomes had a high ankle sprain, 
uh, was back in 2019. And the very next week he came out against the Raiders. So it is different. But he came out against the Raiders and put up like 440 yards right. and four touchdowns. And, you know, so I'm I'm not I'm not concerned about the injury uh, much. I think that that's kind of old news. What I am concerned about, and to your point, and this is something that I've been thinking about for the last couple of days, how in the world, with the secondary for Kansas City, how do you defend Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and then knowing that they've also got Joe Mixon, uh, they've got Hayden Hurst at tight end. Yeah. It, you know, I, I think that they, they're absolutely going to be able to torch if you try to play them man-to-man, one-on-one. I think that they're absolutely going to be able to beat you if you're trying to play zone coverage. Uh, and, and so then if you really try to throw everything at the receivers, then they can just run the ball with Joe Mixon left and right and he can have a big game. So I think that's going to be the big challenge is how do you sure. scheme defeating uh, the, the explosive offense that Cincinnati has with a good pass rush and with a pass rush that doesn't yeah. let Joe Burrow have much time. And now keep in mind. He already Joe, doesn't have much time. Right. He, he last the ball week. out. It's like now, less now than this year, holistically this year, he has had that time. His injuries last week, they just sort of reverted back to what they did last year. But I still think that's the best path, right? The quicker he has to throw the ball, the less of a chance for one of those guys to get so wide open that they get you for 60 yards. You got to be able to stop Joe Mixon with four guys, and you have to be able to get a pass rush going effectively without blitzing all the time. And that's all on the defensive line. Chris Jones, be a real good time to get that first playoff sack. Playoff Frank Clark, you got to be there. George Karloftis, you want to, you know, you want to really make a name for yourself. This is the game to do it. Those front four will be so critical in whatever the Chiefs are able to do, uh, because when you when you play quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, who are just obviously incredible, and you start trying to blitz, they'll torch you. Right? They're too good at reading those things. Yeah. They're too good. It's just like Mahomes. Like it's not that much different than Mahomes. Like, you can't, you've got to be able to generate that. I mean, it was the key to beating Tom Brady in his prime every time, is generating a pass rush with four guys. That's it. Not, you know, that that was, yeah. and I think Joe Burrow's the same way. I think they've got enough weapons that Kansas City's defense, I don't think you can throw a lot of blitz packages at him. I think you've got no, to no. get the pressure with the front yeah. floor, or the front, yeah. the front four. That's going to be the best way that you're going to get Burrow off his game and be able to make sure that you've got enough coverage downfield. I agree. All right, let's give away some stuff here, Tommy. Hockey tickets. Yeah, next Saturday night in Trust Bank Arena. Uh, got a big game. In fact, uh, the promotion, which I don't know if your kids would love this or not, Blue's Clues. So Blue will be in attendance. I don't know if your kids watch Blue's Clues or not, but uh, it's it's Blue's Clues night at Interest Bank Arena. But regardless, uh, it's going to be a great hockey game. 7.05 at Interest Bank Arena. Got four tickets for you for next Saturday night. Love Blues Clues. My kids probably don't watch it enough. That's a great show. Uh, so that's the promotion there. We'll throw in a couple of free iced tea cards from HTO in Wichita here. Uh, so hockey and tea on us. Jad will take that winner to the first caller, 869-1240. And we'll come back with our K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald. The Sports Daily continues. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.